you're listening to the True Life Church podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, join us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. A number of years ago, there's a famous restaurant that makes chicken called Chick-fil-A. My heart is dear towards Chick-fil-A. This is Christian chicken. That's right, man. Anyway, years ago, Chick-fil-A wasn't quite as popular as it is now. And the founder of Chick-fil-A, a man named Truett Cathy, was in the board meeting one day with the executives who were concerned as businesses like KFC rebranded. All right? It used to be called Kentucky Fried Chicken, all right? but that's actually not their name anymore, even if some of us call it that. And they rebranded it to KFC. Another chicken place, Boston Market, was revitalizing their stores. Another chicken place, Zaxby's, was kind of coming around and coming on the market and hot. And the executives were in this boardroom concerned and worried because of the impending chicken doom that awaited them as far as the fast food market corner of the world was concerned. And this whole meeting, Truett Cathy is sitting there virtually silent. He's sitting there and listening to these executives and marketing people and financial people just go around the table in fear and concern. And after a bit, he interrupts his silence and interrupts their talking Pounding on the table. And obviously when Truett Cathy pounds on the table, everyone hushes up. I said, gentlemen, y'all are so concerned about getting bigger when what we need to do is get better. And if we focus on our product and make it the best it possibly can, the best chicken sandwich, though it's simple, the best, hottest, freshest waffle fries, hands down the best sweet tea and lemonade. If we make our hospitality the best, if we work on making what we have better, our customers will demand that we get bigger. Do not be concerned with bigger before better. And that meeting changed the arc of the company and the direction. And here we sit some 20 year odd years later and there's like Chick-fil-A everywhere because we, myself, you know, single-handedly almost, my <laughs> wife will tell you I have a problem, are demanding that Chick-fil-A get bigger with our business. And it's because they focused on better before bigger. And we're picking up here into our third week now in the series of Nehemiah. And before we get into the scripture and recap some of our points, I want to highlight that because Jerusalem was a broken down city. So Nehemiah came and was sent by God from the kingdom of Persia back to his homeland that he had never lived in but his generations before had. It's like my call to North Georgia. It's just there, right? It's just... It's there, all right? I only lived there for two years, but it's in my blood from my parents and my parents' parents and my parents' parents' parents going back to Cherokee. It's just there. It's my home. I live in Florida. And I love you, but North Georgia is my home. If you've got a call like that on your life or saw someplace, anyway, he, Nehemiah is sent, he's sent back. And the, the city is, is broken down. The wall is in ruins. And they, they could have sent back all of the people and gathered all of the people. Let's go populate this city immediately. Let's go bigger. The call on Nehemiah's life is, no, 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 just like Drew Cathy, no, 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 better. Let's fix the walls and then let's live there safely. Then let's worry about making the city bigger and pulling in different people from around the land and making Jerusalem a, a city to, that has prominence in it temple rebuilt. Let's build the walls first. Let's make it better 
before bigger. So over the past few weeks, we've hopefully realized, discovered, or remembered a few things that I want to highlight today as we move into today's message. Number one is that you are sent. We're in three stages. Okay, cool. I see screens that you don't see. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Number one is that you are sent. God has called us out. And and whether your eyes you realize or not, you are sent. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've got a mission. In fact, it's a, we talked about last week, it's a co-mission. In the book of Matthew, where Jesus, right before his ascension and leaving, he says, this, we call it the Great Commission. He didn't say those words, but I'm, I'm sending you, going to all nations, making disciples, baptizing them and teaching them all that I have commanded you. So you are, you, you are sent. Congratulations, you know Jesus, you are sent. To who? To whom are you sent? I don't think God needs saving. We're not sent to, to him, but that's, that's one time where the God-Jesus answer is actually incorrect. Jesus! Nope, not this time, but good, Aiden. Yeah, like the interaction. Who are you, who are you sent? To all the world. Where does your world begin? Right here. Now, global missions are great, and we partner with global missions and, and ministries and missionaries in Asia. That's fantastic. But your world begins right here. So, and we're, we're going to highlight this a little bit later, but if you don't know where it is, you're sent, open up Facebook. Who's popping up in your feed? Go, go through your top 25 contacts, you know, your instant contacts there in your, in your phone. You want to know who you're sent? If there's names on that list that aren't checked off in the book of life, if people on your top 25 people in your phone that don't know Jesus, that's where you begin. You're sent. We don't have to wander or wonder. You are sent. We're also meant to build. build. That's right, man. I know. I know I put that there. And then, and then your grandmother hit spacebar and fantastic technology. (laughs) Yeah, we are meant to build. We're meant to be building something together. And I'm excited for this series because I feel like the last two years of a pandemic and our culture shifting around has torn down things that we may have thought were important, right? And it's shaken this up, hopefully enough, to we're like, well, I... That really didn't matter, and, or, uh, oh, I can work from home, or, you know, maybe social media, not as dependent as I was before, and maybe now it's just a giant turnoff. You're like, I, I've, I got a friend of mine who just X'd his Facebook permanently this week. He's like, I'm done, right? My social life is going to be people I'm social with. So maybe some walls have been torn down, but guess what? Now it's time to build, and hopefully we have a better idea of, of what, what we're building, more importantly, who we're building for. We're meant to build God's kingdom and for God. One of the first things Nehemiah did was, again, he walked around the city. He took a horse and went around the whole city and inspected all the walls. And we read that last week in chapter 2. And it reminds us that, that what's inspected can be improved. Sometimes we just go through life gaining experience. As a mentor I used to listen to said, it's, it's not experience that makes you wiser. It's evaluated experience that makes you wiser. It's not just gaining experience. I went through that. What would you learn? I don't know. Maybe not to put my hand on the oven again. Yeah, okay, so, so take some moment and evaluate the experience so that you learn, hey, that's hot. Next time, no touch. My, uh, uh, my son, one of them, um, Landon, he's four now, but when he was two... Um, we did sparklers, fireworks, and, um, and he touched the hot end. And uh, so that was, multiple people learned lessons that day. The evaluated experience was, mom and dad don't hand a two-year-old a sparkler <laughs> and assume he'll grab the right end. And then he learned the invaluable lesson of, don't touch the sparkler at the hot end. 
I know he had a little, little welt there for a couple weeks. It went away. He's, he survived, right? But unless you evaluate the experience, unless you inspect something, how do you expect to improve something? Unless you inspect something, how do you expect to improve something? So inspect your spiritual life. I mean, we're called to make disciples, right? And the root part of that is dis, which is also the dis that we use in discipline. Are you a disciplined person for Christ? If so, you will be a disciple of Christ. Inspect your spiritual life. Inspect your prayer life. Inspect your relationships. Inspect how you lead your families. Inspect how you... Everything. You've got to inspect it if you want it to be improved. So Nehemiah went around the city and he inspected and said, all these walls be broken. We need to fix like all of them. We're coming to that today. Finally, as we recap, building for the kingdom will bring adversity. And when you try to take a stand for the gospel, when you try to take a stand on the word of God and say, this will define how we live our life, there's going to come a sand ballot for you. And that was the name of the guy, the adversary, and we'll read that in just a few minutes who is going to try to oppose Nehemiah at every turn about building the wall back in Jerusalem. The enemy's going to come for you. You're going to have a co-worker or a friend be like, that's weird, why are you doing that? Like, why are you taking time away from, like, every Thursday night, bro? You know we do poker night. Yeah, but my priorities have changed. Because my Thursday schedule is very busy, and all I have is an hour, and I'm going to give that hour to my family. I'm going to give that hour to reading scripture. And when we become a people whose priority is God, our church will drastically change. And I'm not saying that we're not, but I am saying we've got room to grow, right? Because we're building each other up. And if you had a brick and a brick and a brick and a brick and a very weak brick, and then another brick and another brick. And then bricks on top of that weak brick. Are you concerned for the wall? Yes, because it's, it, there's a gap in the wall. The wall might not stand. And as we build, every single one of you and me are building blocks in our church and the kingdom of God. So don't you ever think that, oh, I skipped my devotional day. It doesn't matter. Well, it could have mattered. Because maybe the scripture that you were going to read was going to be something that you should have shared or could have shared with your coworker here who's dealing with a loss or grief or whatever. Like, actually, I just read a scripture this morning about that. Boom, opportunity. But if you had read nothing, prayed nothing, done nothing, worshipped nothing, you have nothing to give. We are in a very exciting chapter in Nehemiah chapter 3. So would you turn there with me? I'm going to begin in the last verse of chapter 2, which is where we left off last week. And again, we talked about Sanballat, which is just a fun and goofy name. You know, there's names like, there's biblical names that, you know, we're glad that probably got passed down and we still call people that, like Joshua, right? I'm thankful for that. You know, Peter. Peter's a cool name, um, and St. Peter, also, that school's blowing up my bracket right now. Good gracious, my bracket was great, but uh, Michigan and St. Peter's ruining my March Madness. Anyway, I see some nods out there, preach it, preach it. Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll let St. Peter's go all the way <laughs> at St. Peter's. Um, anyway, Sand Ballad is one of those names I'm glad we don't call each other anymore, it's just weird. Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it. They jeered at us, despised us, and said, what's this thing you're doing? This is stupid. Are you rebelling against the king? And here we pick up into verse 20. And Nehemiah, then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper. Notice he didn't say we were going to do it. We've got this. We've got a plan. I'm going to trust our strategy. The marketing team has done a great job with the logo. And New Jerusalem is going to be the hottest thing. It's going to go viral. Right? No, no, no. We, we don't have it. The God of heaven will make us prosper. And we, his servants, will rise and build. But you have no portion or right 
or claim in Jerusalem. We talked about that last week with the history of the Samaritan people and why they viewed those people different because they didn't have the shared experience. So you can go back and listen to last week's message online if, you, if you'd like to dive into that. 52 minutes message. Today we're going to pick up here into chapter 3. And bear with me, all right? This is going to be probably the most exciting thing you read in the next 10 minutes. And we're not going to skip a verse. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zachar, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hanasseh built the fish gate, and they laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Mishazelbel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Bena, repaired. Next to them, the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve their lord. Take that a note. You ever, you ever been somewhere where like the, the leader is too proud to serve? And what that taste put in your mouth, you're like, okay, well, the work's getting done, but I see how you think of things. You're too good for this. So that's going on. Duaida, the son of Pasea, and Meshulam, the son of Besodea, I'm messing some of these up, that's okay, repaired the gate of Yeshana. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them repaired Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Merathite, I practiced these and still messing them up, the men of Gibeon and Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Herahiah, goldsmiths they repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, <laughs> repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And what we see here is that it doesn't matter what their real job was, what their trade was, what their craft was. It didn't matter if they were an engineer a garbage truck driver, a stay-at-home mom, a school kid, they're coming and they're building together, all right? So their, their real job is secondary to the task at hand. But I bet that section of wall smelled great. <laughs> Next to them, Rephiah, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Jediah, the son of Harumaf, repaired opposite his house, and next to him, Hattush, the son of Hashanabneah, repaired. Malkijah, the son of Harim, and Hashub, the son of Pahathamoab, repaired another section in the Tower of the Ovens. The place was hot. Just seeing if you're paying attention still, it's rough. All right, we're going to keep going. <laughs> next to him, Shalom, the son of Halosh, ruler of half of the district of Jerusalem, repaired. He and his daughters not just a man's job. Everybody get in on this block building. Hanun and the inhabitants of Zenoah repaired the valley gate, and they rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars, and repaired a thousand cubits. Remember, a cubit's distance from about here to a thousand of these, a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Yay. <laughs> Malkajah, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of that Bethakarim repaired the dung gate, and he rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And we see this again and again and again, its bolts, its bars, and its doors, so that no gate is left halfway done. Right? It's all done correctly. And Shalom, the son of Kolhose, ruler of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate, and he rebuilt it and covered it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars and he built the wall of the pool of Shelah, of the king's garden, as far as, far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. And after him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, ruler of half the district of Bethzer, repaired to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and as far as the house of the mighty men. After him, the Levites repaired. These are the priests, the worship leaders. Rehim, the son of Bani. Next to him, Hashabiah ruler of half the district of Kela, repaired for his district. And after him, their brothers repaired. Bavavavai, the son of Hinnadad, 
ruler of half the district of Kela. And next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section opposite the ascent to the armory at the buttress. After him, Baruch, the son of Zabai, repaired another section from the buttress to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. We read about him in verse 1. After him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Eliashib to the end of the house of the Eliashib. After him, the priests, the men of the surrounding area repaired. And after them, Benjamin and Hashub repaired opposite their house. And after them, Azariah, the son of Messiah, the son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. After him, Benui, the son of Hinadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress and to the corner. Palau, the son of Uzai, repaired opposite the buttress and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king at the court of the guard. And after him, Padiah, the son of Parash, and the temple servants living on Ophel, repaired to a point opposite the water gate. It's not that water gate. Um, on the east, I'm just making sure you're still paying attention, and projecting the tower, right? Not a crook. After him, the Tekoites repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired, each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Immer, repaired opposite his own house. And after him, Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. And after him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaf, repaired another section. Here's the part we say, only two more verses. After him, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, repaired opposite his chamber. And after him, Malchijah, one of the goldsmiths, again we're back to him, repaired as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants opposite the muster gate, the upper chamber of the corner. And between the upper chamber and the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired. Okay. I know it's one of the most meaningful passages you've read in a while, right? But we, we see that, first of all, if we actually believe that, yes, all Scripture is truthful and good for teaching and instruction, then, then we can read this, right? Well, what are we going to pull out of it? Because this is a lot of people and this is a lot of names. First of all, if this was your history recorded in the annals of time, you'd be really like, that's my great, 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 grandfather, twice removed. Like, it'd be it'd be a really exciting thing to know that. So for these people, it really mattered. And they were keeping a record of who did what. And a couple things, again, we're going to pull out of there. First of all, everyone built together, right? And we read that no job, no type of people were exempt even the leaders who did not serve, they were the only ones. Everyone was like, what's wrong with you? I can't get my hands dirty. I, I, I don't know. Like, No, pick up a brick. We're going to build this wall back. And the women got involved. And descendants and probably young men got involved. And no one was exempt from rebuilding the wall. And it's a reminder, first of us, the foremost, that your job in this life is not to be an engineer is not to be a teacher, is not to be the stay-at-home mom. It's not to be the retired grandfather that gives the grandkids candy and sends their back on their way all sugared up to mom and dad. Your job in this life isn't the vocation you have, it's your calling. Our calling in this life is to be kingdom builders and serving God comes before your vocation. So they put their jobs aside and they said, we're going to build together. Why? Because we need better before bigger. And as we talked about last week, the wall and boundaries are helpful because it keeps the good things in and the bad things out. And there were wild animals coming into the city and dogs and probably um, boar and other weird things coming in there and like causing havoc. And then there's sand ballot. And Tobiah, and they're out there heckling them the whole time. Like, we want them out. We don't want them in, so let's hurry up and finish this wall. And we see, second of all, besides everyone getting involved, 
We've read it probably 15 times now in the last chapter. And if we aren't paying attention, we'll breeze right over a bit. But what we see is that everyone built a section of the wall. It was right in front of their house. It was right there. So if you're on the west side of the city trying to rebuild the wall, you weren't as concerned about the east side of the city. Why? Because the people on the east side of the city are going to focus on rebuilding the east side of the wall. The people on the west side of the city and the north and the south, they're going to build their sections of the wall. Some of them connected to their own house. And you and I are called to just build what's in front of you. Again, we don't have to wander or wonder to whom we are sent, to your mission field. God looked at all of time and history. Think about that. He's outside of all of that. Created everything and put you here in Melbourne, Florida in 2022 right now with the people that you know and the family that he has given you. I looked at all of time and said, Amanda, you need to live right now. Chrissy, you need to live right now. David, you need to live right now. Aiden, you need to live right now. This is the time that you need to be alive. Ever wonder like what it would have been like to be born in a different generation? Yeah. Like what generation would you have picked? Like cool time to live. In the 50s? The 60s? the 30s 1800s okay are you like Jane Austen 1800s or like North America 1800s because those are vastly two different places okay all right yeah every, everyone wants to live in pride and prejudice and her Mr. Darcy comes from somewhere don't wonder because God has put you here now and you are here for a purpose. And only you can do what God has called you to do. And you're here to do it. I can't be a good wife. God did not make me one. We can go down the body part thing another day, but I'm a dude. I'm a man. I'm a husband. I can, I can be a good husband. I can't be a good wife. That's not my job. God puts you here right now with the people who you are around for a reason. And out of all of time, you're meant to know the people that you know. And then ask them, do they know Jesus? Are they living with and walking with Jesus? Build what's in front of you. And this starts in our homes. We're going to come to this next week also in chapter 4. The very moving speech by Nehemiah. Build what's in front of you. Sometimes I think we can get distracted. Sometimes even from other churches. And we see what other churches are doing. You're like, oh, that's so great they're doing that. And yes, amen, hallelujah. But maybe God's called them to do that and not called us to do that. What I do know is that there's probably about 165 churches in our zip code. There's a lot. There's, there's 68 local Brevard Baptist Association churches just alone. That's just that one section of the denomination. It's like counting in all the other churches, right? And still... If our whole county or that zip code attended all of those churches, there's what, 430 or 440,000 people that, that call the Melbourne metropolitan area in Brevard County its home? Something like that, half a million? It's crazy. In Brevard County, and it's blowing up. If every single one of those people chose to go to church on the same day, our county's churches could not hold them, regardless of what denomination or location they chose. 
Think about that for a second. There is a vast amount of people who don't know Jesus and who aren't walking in relationship with him or who aren't active in serving or attending, being an active part of the body of Christ. The need is great. We just have to be obedient what God has called us to do. You are sent here with a purpose. And you start with your home. Start with your circle of friends. Build what's in front of you. In the same vein, we're going to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read a few verses just to set us up for something coming later. And Paul writes, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to know this. You know that when you were in, as pagans and the worldly, you were led astray to mute idols. There were rocks and other things that didn't come through. It's silliness. However you were led. Therefore, I want you to, to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in this Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts with the same Spirit. There are varieties of service with the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities. But it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Not for their individual good, but for the common good. For everyone's benefit. For the church's benefit. For to one is given through the Spirit utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, discernment. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by one and same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, later this year we're going to be doing another spiritual gifts class. Because just like Paul said, we don't want you to be uninformed. And spiritual gifts are real. And they do matter. And if you don't know what yours is, then maybe that's why you're serving without direction, not serving at all, or serving in the wrong place. Because you're just serving out of obligation, not out of empowerment, out of your spiritual gifting. So that's coming later this year. But we're going to move on to verse 12 now. And this is important. For just as the body is one <coughs> and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Before, whether or not it didn't matter, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Fingers, hands, toes, thumb, eyeballs, eyelashes, bottoms, hair for some. Consists of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand... I see you hand up there grabbing things. I don't have that ambidextrous ability with my toes. I'm jealous. I'm not a hand. I just walk around everywhere and get calloused and prefer warm socks out of the dryer. <laughs> but because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Forget this body. Foot falls off. Nope. That's not how it works. Foot doesn't go AWOL. That would not make it less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye. Eyeball's got it great. He can see everything. All I get is this, blah, 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 blah. Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to this body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, and we've read this before, visual imagery, weird. If the whole body were a giant eyeball, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. And if all were a single member, then where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. We're going to go through verse 27. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And if head is smart, it knows it needs feet. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. In other words, there's no place you can serve that is not important. We talked about that this morning with our serving and our leading team. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor... Let's cover those up. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts, hand, do not require. 
But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division, no breaks, no broken walls in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. One member is honored, all rejoice together. And closing, now you, and if you don't have this underlined, please do, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. That's where we will stop. You are the body of Christ and members of it. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a bodybuilder. Now, you might not look like one. I know I don't. I'm working on it. This is actually, uh, I've only had three sodas in the last almost three weeks. I'm working on it. It's hard. Uh, it is hard. You know me and my Dr. Pepper. I should have stock in the company. Um, but trying to make some changes. Trying to be a little bit healthier. I'd like to see my kids turn nine, you know. <clears throat> and it gives me, to, again, another opportunity to have water in this fantastic dispensing device. You're a bodybuilder. We're meant to be bodybuilders. And you can leave here today, hopefully, forgetting about everything we read in chapter 3. But if you leave here today and knowing that, hey, I'm a bodybuilder, thanks be to God. Something translated, something got through. And when we think of being the bodybuilder, my mind goes to Arnold Schwarzenegger. I can't do the accent. I can't help it. <laughs> but if you know he's big in the muscles, yeah. And, and we see, as just tanking. We know how many hours and hours and hours and hours and hours that guy took the roids, but also worked in the gym. <laughs> right? It, he was devoted to his craft. And I do know this. Arnold Schwarzenegger came out looking like 99% of all other babies ever. Cute little tiny Winston Churchills. Right? He didn't come out with the muscles. He had to work for the muscles. And he worked. So he could say, get to the chopper. And I'll be back. Another fun Arnold Schwarzenegger things in the Garden of California. Anyway, like it, he, countless hours and work and time he put into building his body. In fact, he became so good at it, he became recognized for his muscles. Arnold Schwarzenegger was not an actor. Arnold Schwarzenegger is not an actor. Like you could argue either way, right? It, it's not the. It's not. He didn't. He didn't know. But man, when they needed a Terminator, like, that guy <laughs> looks legit. Because he worked on his body. He's just doing the gym thing and traveling and touring and the, the weird flexing things. But he worked on his body. And it led him to, I guess, what he maybe was supposed to do in this life. I don't know if he knows Jesus or not, but he made movies. And he ain't poor. You and I are called to be a bodybuilder. Yes, on one vein of this, we should probably try to be healthy. Right? I'm trying. Like, let's be around for the kingdom. Like, that's a good idea, right? <laughs> like, I want, I want God to call me home. Not like clogged arteries from decades of soda. So on one hand, be healthy, but more importantly, be a bodybuilder. Who is the body? For right now, who is the body? Us. Look around the room. Don't tell me who you think is a hand. Or an ear. Do not tell me who you think is a mouth. <laughs> and definitely do not tell me who you think is a butt. But this is our body of Christ. 
And I tell you what, we need a butt. We need a butt. <laughs> and we need an ear. We need a nose. We need eyes. Hands, arms, reaching. We need a colon. Maybe cleaning team is our colon, right? Just clean things. I don't know. We'll rebrand the ministry. Our, have you, have you, how would you like to join our colon ministry? <laughs> we see everyone leave. Oh, I'm saying things I can't take back. Everyone in this room and for the couple online, this is our body of Christ and we are meant to be building each other up, right? And in order to do that, we've got to be spending time with each other, being next to each other. Because I tell you what, Legos will teach you this. If you have a block over here and two blocks over here and a block over here, you have a horrible wall (laughs) or any type of structure for that matter at all. Blocks must be situated next to each other, and then on top of each other, and around each other, to build what we're talking about building. And that's going to require a shift in our priorities. I don't like trivia night. Okay, so come and don't do trivia, like Mike and Signa did, and just sit there and eat snacks and heckle everybody else. All right? But, you know, women's event coming up here, uh, 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 April, what month is it? April 2nd coming up, women's event. Well, I don't like to shop, swap, or talk. Then come and don't do those things and be around the women of this church. Like next men's camping trip. Well, I don't like to go camping. Get out. (laughs) Go find your man card and come back with it. Like, just, let's be together. Let's be around each other. Let's encourage each other. Let's speak the truth in love. And in order to do that, you have to have a relationship. Because truth by itself without relationship can sometimes be hurtful. Let's be around each other. Let's be a, let's be a bodybuilder. Let's build this body for ourselves. For your name? For my name? Is this to make Josh a more popular pastor? No. Definitely. Definitely not. Not. Not popular already. Will not be popular later. That's not the point of this all. I don't want... The last thing I want to talk about this, you know, with our leaders, the last thing I want to be is simulcast to multiple locations. Ugh. That's not our goal. Our strategy has always been to build up this body of Christ to maybe sometime around, I don't know, maybe 300, maybe 500, the Holy Spirit will tell us, and then we just birth a new church. And then it starts off on its own, with its own pastor and with its own leadership. And we, we multiply the way it cells do, the way that bodies do. That's our growth strategy. So we're building up, not just for us, but for the people who come after us. Imagine Melbourne changed within our lifetime because True Life Church is here. That's where my brain goes. Imagine people knowing Jesus and being baptized because True Life Church is here. That stirs my heart. I'm excited for that. And God has called us to that. We must be a body builder. There's a movie that I love called Field of Dreams. And in it, in 1989, uh, younger Kevin Costner played a man named Ray Kinsella. I never really had a good relationship with his father. In the middle of this cornfield in Iowa, he sees what we'll call a vision and a voice. This voice says what? No. It's one of the most misquoted movie phrases of all time. If you build it, he will come. We get distracted later on because we see the crowds come at the end of the film and arrive out of nowhere to watch this baseball game in the middle of a cornfield in Iowa. And they actually built Field of Dreams. You know, that, like they, on that plot of land, they, they bought it. And this is only a couple of years ago. They actually have a baseball field now. Um, 
and it's like the uh, pandemic or whatever. That was one of the first games that they played back when baseball started up again was at this field of dreams. If you build it, he will come. Not they will come. Because I got to meet a, a pastor who I grew up listening to uh, online. I say online, on the TV. When I was growing up, um, whenever my family couldn't make it on a Sunday, there wasn't live stream, we would watch First Baptist of Orlando because they were televised. And there was a pastor named Jen Henry. And in Fiesta Azteca, we were having lunch uh, last week with some people here at church, which I encourage you to do. If, you don't, if you're not going to lunch with anybody out in this church after, go to lunch with somebody. Like after, you say, hey, are you doing lunch? What's your name? Great. No, I'm, I need to eat too. Let's go, let's go eat food together. This is good and fellowship. Anyway, so we're walking in with people from our church to go get lunch at Fiesta Azteca. And I see a pastor friend of mine from another church. I go, oh, I got to go say hi because, you know, I'm a pastor and I've got to talk and I'm going to sit at that table for 20 minutes and then reappear magically. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I'm gonna go, I go say hi to my, my, my friend uh, who's a pastor. And at this table is a man named Jim and, and Kathy. And uh, he simply just introduces himself as Jim. And about 30 seconds into the conversation, I'm like, hold up. That's that Jim. That is now the retired and elderly but still active in the ministry, Jim Henry. Like, I got it. I just, I ought to shake your hand and say thank you because you, you made an impact on me when I was nine at home, listened to your sermons. And I'm thankful for him because who knows? That impact that I had and still remember vividly watching Jim Henry on the TV. Well, here I am today. You're, you're planting seeds in someone else's life. It's not for a bigger kingdom of this earth. This is for God's kingdom. And when I was, we were talking over the last you know, couple of years and what's happened in, the, in our church and the church nationwide and uh, Jim Henry and the other pastor and, and I and told him where we're at, kind of what's happened. You know, we were this and now we're this, but I'm thankful and God is good. And he said, I'm, I'm thankful to hear you say that because you can have a crowd and not have a church. I'm telling you that, I will never forget that. And I don't know if that's original or if he just said it or if he heard it somewhere, I don't care. But I'm not going to forget that from that moment on because I got to meet Jim Henry and Jim Henry said these things to me and I'm, I'm going to hold on to this little treasure of knowledge, right? You can have a crowd and not have a church. And friends, I don't want the crowd. I want the church. And there are organizations that fit into the 501c3 religious nonprofit out there that have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people coming. They've got the crowd. But not the church. And what you and I are building as sharing life together, the ups and downs, the hands and feet, the eyes and the ears, the mouths and the butts, all together, what we are building is the church not the crowd. And if you build it, they will come is not important. If you build it, he will come. And this is why they were building the wall, because remember, as we talked about last week, no wall, no city, no city, no temple. All of this was directed so that they could be in the presence of of God again. Because that's how the worship was back then. This was pre-Jesus Christ. Before the new covenant. This is the old covenant. Where sacrifices had to be made. And people had to attend feasts and Passovers. No wall, no city, no city, no temple. So if you build it, he will come. The message is still the same for us today. Because it's not physical walls in the city of Jerusalem. But if we build it, he will come. Who is he? Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, will return for his bride, the church. And again, as I said a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you've read Revelation, but the church is still there. So what you and I build today matters. And in some way, shape, or form, will be present in that book when that prophecy is fulfilled and Jesus comes back. If you build it, he will come. And his promises are sure. And we can bet our lives on it. 
if you build it, he will come. I want to do a short flashback of where we were in our previous series, then we're going to wrap up. We moved into Nehemiah from the books of Ezra and then 2 Chronicles before that. And there was a king we read about in 2 Chronicles as we worked our way through our Return to Me series earlier this year about repentance. And we read about King Uzziah. And just quickly recapping, but King Uzziah was the guy who grew proud and strong, right? And entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense. And he shouldn't have. Like this was a no-no, right? And he was... Cat and immediately became leprous, had a skin problem, and was a leper to the day he died. All right? That's King Uzziah. So we read this, and now we're going to connect the dots to another passage here in the book of Isaiah. So Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, yes, that King Uzziah, so we now have the context of where we came from, as well as the scripture we're currently in. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, and each had six wings. With two he covered his his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, whose whole earth, or the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm not worthy to be in this space and see what I'm seeing and hear what I'm hearing. And I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. That could be America today, right? For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And and one of the seraphim flew to me, and having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, hot, he touched my mouth, said, behold, this has touched your lips. She's like, I know! um, It's a vision. That this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. He's having this vision. He knows he's in a place that isn't great. But he's going to be faithful. He's repentant. He says, woe is me. We've come out of that series and, and again, a return to me. Spent nine weeks talking about repentance. and Hopefully we still are and continue to be. And then, verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord. Now, not the seraphim. Now, this is the voice of the Lord saying to this people, to this city where he's at that is, again, as, as he wrote, um, filled with unclean lips. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And in this vision, Isaiah probably looking around and seeing no one else said, well, here I am, Lord. Send me. And he said, go and say to the people, you know what? Keep on hearing, but don't understand. Keep on seeing, but don't perceive. Keep living your lives the way you are, and don't pay attention to the word of the Lord. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy to blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. I said, how long, O Lord, he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitants? And houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. This is the destruction that has come to pass, that now we are on the other side of of the Jerusalem and the walls and the temple and everything being torn down. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again. Like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it's felled, the holy seed is its stump. Here I am, Lord, send me. And so if you and I are are going to be bodybuilders, we have to ask and close out with this question today. Is that God has called us, has called you and called me, God has called us to build for his kingdom. Sit on that for a second. God has called us to build for his kingdom, right? Right? Yes? Yes. Okay. Hooray. And there was much rejoicing. You know, God, God has called us to build for his kingdom. So, are you aware of his presence and his calling and obedient enough to say, as Isaiah did, here I am, send me. 
Are you aware and obedient enough to say, here I am, send me. God has put a calling on your life for those of us who know him, who believe his word, who have eternity locked. We got a mission, again, a co-mission, laboring with the Holy Spirit to go into all the nations, in all the workplaces, in all the schools, in all the homes, to all the families, and the, to all the divorcees, to all the affianced, to all the uneducated, to all the poor, to all the lost, to all the earth. We don't have to be worried about the next step, about, well, when I get there, what am I going to say? When I get there, what am I going to do? It's like, I've got the message for you. Because if God had led with the message of, here's what I want you to say, we may not have read Isaiah say, here I am, Lord, send me. He might have said, that's a tough message. I do not like it. Green eggs and ham. No. God said, are you going to be obedient first? Yeah. Yeah, I will. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Okay, here's what you're going to do. And then he lays out the plan. Then he gives them the map. Same thing with what we're reading in Nehemiah. God breaking Nehemiah's heart to go and, and hear that Jerusalem is just torn down. He said, I'm going to go do something about it. What? I don't know yet. I'll see it when I get there. That's when he goes around the city. God calling Abram. Before he was Abraham, out of the city of Ur, of the Chaldeans, and saying, I want you to go. Where? I'll tell you when you get there. But there's a place I have for you, and you're going to be a father of many nations. I don't even have a son. Don't worry about it yet. So along later comes Isaac. And God says, hey, I want you to build an altar. Go sacrifice. Sacrifice what? Tell you when you get there. He thinks it's his son, so let's go. Thinks he's going to kill his only son. And he's ready to do it. And he says, here I am, Lord, send me. He's obedient. And he goes. And he's getting ready to... His own son. Guy's like, no, no, no. Look over there. There's a ram in the thicket. He says, that's the sacrifice that you need. Because I've seen that you are obedient. And he restores and honors the blessing which he had given him earlier in that moment in time. Don't be worried about what comes next. Be worried about where you are. Be concerned about like, hey, who do, I, who do I need to go to right now? Okay, I see this person in Walmart. They look like they might need some help. If I go to them, what am I going to say? Don't worry about that. Just go. And trust the Holy Spirit to say, and, and it's going to come out. And I've seen this. And I've lived this. And some of you have because you've told me these things. Like I went up to go have this conversation. I didn't know I was going to go. But, you know, the Holy Spirit just, man, just put some words in my heart. And, man, we connected. It was great. If we're going to be kingdom builders, bodybuilders, it starts with obedience and saying, all right, here I am, Lord, send me. And I'm going to start with what I see. And I'm going to build what's in front of me. I want you to build what's in front of you this week. Inspect your life. Look at your friends, your families, your relationship, your spiritual walk. How often you read or don't read the Bible. How often you do or do not pray. How often you do or do not minister to someone else or share the gospel. Inspect it. Say, alright, we're going to prove this. Not me by myself, but as Nehemiah said, the God of heaven make this prosper what we need to do is be obedient and be ready to build God's got something special for us do you believe that I do we didn't weather the last two years for nothing we didn't come out of the last seven and a half years or eight years now of, of almost horrible things and we're not going to go back to the story that was seven or eight years ago of true life church even before I came but we're still here because the God of heaven is looking out for us. What we need to be is faithful and obedient and trust him. 
and I'm excited to build with you and like build you as you build me we build each other together edifying the body of Christ welcoming new people in who need love who need truth who need a place to serve who need to feel like they matter because God already says that you do they don't know that your world starts right here are you going to be obedient enough and aware enough to say here I am Lord send me ready to build